right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here, joined, joined to my left with by DJ Pi. Hello, Solly. Across the table is Mr. Tron. Greetings. Across the aisle. Across the aisle. And uh, protesting this week, the uh, protesting the PMI, what does PMI even mean classic, is uh, Big Randy. He is not here. He stayed as far away from this uh, event this past week as possible. Yeah, he's opted out. He's looking into, uh, you know, whether anybody was hit with any big balloon payments this week. Uh, up there in Detroit, you know he's he's gonna be missed, but we'll try to soldier on without him. <laughs> I actually learned what PMI is this week. I really? actually don't want to know. You don't want to know. I don't okay. want to know. Okay. I feel like that's like that's what they want. <laughs> they want us to know what PMI is. Like they're asking. Well, the I didn't question. learn it from them. I was at well, my accountant slash you know tax guy's place. I still think we should come up with our own. Uh, we I don't know how we haven't come up with our own for what it should mean. Somebody Make responded to something on okay. Twitter last week with something good. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to look into that. We're kind of on the spot. Nate Lashley has won the PMI challenge or whatever it's <laughs> called. Um, Six-shot win. Monday qualified in a six-shot win. Well, Monday qualified and then got in as a, an alternate. Alternate, correct. Yeah, double qualified. <laughs> and then one Double by secret qualification. Is professional golf deep? The, yeah, the Jesus, guy that man. barely got in the field won by six? That's the whole point. Like I tweeted something about this earlier, and, and I'm sure there are a million examples of, you know, of this in action, but... That's why when people bang on sponsor exemptions and when people bang on, you know, how guys get into the field and what the priority list looks like. And I mean, that's why it matters, because literally any like most weeks and and majors kind of separate themselves and certain golf courses separate themselves. But a lot of weeks like this, like literally anybody can win. It's crazy. And that's what it's cool to see someone like Nate Lashley. I mean, that's what what makes it such a cool story, I think. It pisses me off when people say, oh, like, why do you care about all this stuff? Like, because it, it matters. It does yeah. matter. Well, to separate yourself from a field that was so bunched, unbelievably bunched, like more so than even week to week that you'd see on the PGA Tour or even like the, the KFC Tour, to win it by six is nuts. Like, yeah. absolutely nuts. There's a putting it, contest all week and he separated himself yeah he was he was spectacular man his stats weren't even that crazy though it wasn't like he died it was it wasn't like an out-of-body putting experience or insane ball striking experience he was just crazy well-rounded no he really he really was it was you know t29 strokes gained off the tee uh sixth strokes gained approach 13th strokes gained around the tee second strokes gained putting and yeah all that added up somehow to a six shot win so i saw something that he he almost birdied every hole. Yes. He, I think <laughs> it was he had Will Gray one, he was one shy. Eight and 11 were the two eight that he needed okay. today, I think. And yeah. He, he bogeyed 11 in uh, part eight today. But yeah, he would have, as, as Will Gray pointed out, he would have completed the no laying up birdie challenge in one week at a PJ tour event, which is <laughs> which we should pretty maybe sizable. Update. We should update on how ours is going here. There hasn't been a lot of progress in the I don't in think I've even months. played out there in like a month and a half. I haven't touched a club in three weeks. <laughs> it's, it's it's I haven't played since Greenville. We've I haven't touched a club. We haven't got we've gotten through our time period that's been insanely busy and it's gonna lighten up at least a little bit on this back half of the year. Um, I got a lot of work to do. I still have all of my Eagles that I need to get. And for those that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, we have a challenge at our local Muni that we all have to birdie every hole throughout the course of this year. It has to be during a nine or 18 hole round. 
and uh, uh, they're making me have to eagle the par fives. And I haven't eagled any of them yet, so that's that's still pending. And I think I've got four other holes I need to birdie left out there. Neil's got a lot of work to do. Neil's got some work to do, although in, in very uh, Icarito fashion, Neil has he's the only birdies he's gotten are one, two, and three. So uh, very Icarito. I think I still have ten holes left. Looks like Randy's got maybe about twelve or thirteen holes left. Uh, Tron's six. about six. Um, we're gonna get out there this yeah. this summer and and shoot an update and get 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 uh, get a second video out. out yeah, somebody some there were a lot of comments on the Jack Speech video. They're like, "Come on, do do more of this, more updates." I'm like, "Guys, you really don't want to see like that's hard. It's to cool grasp. to see that maybe the first time, but like you don't want to see a <laughs> weekly update of nor Thursday do we wanna, skins game. Nor do we want to film it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been at least like six straight rounds where I haven't checked off any new ones. Now it is to the point now in the year where you like when you get to a hole you haven't birdied yet, you're thinking about totally. It. And that's where that's been my biggest takeaway from the whole birdie challenge thing is if i would have done this when i was a 12 year old kid um i mean i I wouldn't have made very many birdies and i would have come up woefully short but it would have made me so much more confident about making birdies rather than just shitting my pants right whenever i have a seven footer for birdie and just trying to shake it in somehow uh so if if there's anybody with teenage kids listening like make them do something like this because i think they would be much better off for it you I, could do one july one to july one too yeah, i mean yeah, totally. today is technically yeah, july you, one. Can do whatever the hell yeah. you, want. you could do a fiscal year birdie challenge <laughs> yeah. um well i mean really you need to do it july 1 to june 30 we don't want to give them an extra day that's true that's a great uh i did receive <laughs> looking up- out. It's a leap year next year too so you may want to text scummy uh i did receive an update from our friends of at ansley up in Atlanta, where we got this from, uh, the guy who last year was out there grinding in the rain on like the it was like forty degrees. Course was flooded. He comes in. He still hadn't birdied seventeen. Played it four times that same day. Uh, he actually closed it out. Hey, earlier hey. this month, oh, less great. than halfway through the year. That's huge. We, uh, I forget when we did that podcast. It was like one of our first of the year when we said we were going to do it. And uh, a, a friend of mine's brother emailed me. He's like, hey, great idea. Like a January 11th email. Great idea. We started doing it. I just closed it, actually, so <laughs> <God>. far. <laughs> That's, right, you yeah. asshole, get out of here. That, there's a lot of positives of, of having you know a big community of people that listen to, to this podcast. But yeah, just being constantly reminded it. Like how average you are at golf is. I think is the not hardest one of the positives. The hardest part about our local course is the wind. Yeah, like the wind can be blowing one direction for a week straight off the beach, and it it makes certain holes straight into the wind, and and the ones that you don't want downwind, it makes them straight downwind, yeah. and it makes it. Impossible. There's an easy wind and a hard wind, and the hard wind blows like eighty percent of the time out. Yeah. Listen, guys, everyone's playing the same course. <laughs> that was that's kind of uh, this is gonna be a pro segue, but that's a. To take it back to the uh, the PMI Classic for a second, I posted something about like how you know Nate Lashley's sixty three yesterday. I, I haven't watched a ton of Saturday golf this year, but that was one of the most impressive rounds I've watched because I mean he just it was so automatic. It was every fairway, and then he he just hit it inside six feet. It was nuts. And someone was kind of chirping about you know oh the score this course is so easy. This is such a joke. Anybody could break par here. I'm like, yeah, d- dude, they're they're all playing the same place. And the guy's six six shots clear of the field. So, like, let's not reduce it to that. Like, was the course 
too easy for a PJ Tour setup? Yeah, maybe. And we can certainly talk about that. You know what it reminded did he me of? Fucking blow everybody's doors off. Yes. He <laughs> you did. know what? Sorry to pick on what you said there, though. I, I I'd hate like they're all playing the same course as like being because like if you if everybody goes out and plays Jack's Beach, like that's not a great test. And I'm not I don't well, mean to compare. Really, that. you guys were just rambling about very hyper local stuff. I was trying to get us back on. The well, Detroit thank you for stuff. that. But <laughs> but I just hate the everyone's playing the same course because like the idea is that the course should test different skills across you know and let a wide range of players in and you know benefit certain skills and whatnot and if you if if the course is not testing really actually testing players i think that's an issue i'm not necessarily saying that about detroit golf club but i think that like it, there is something to I, a course I setup. follow what, what do you mean like yeah, so you're saying like oh everyone's got to play the same course like it's still as if like i it, think it can neuter it can kind of i see i see yeah it, it can yeah, blend yeah. players all together desensitize yeah. everything so like it, it you know a, a course should be set up in a way to really challenge players in different ways and the reverse arguments like during the u.s open like when it's really hard it's like hey they're all playing the same course right. but when it gets to the point where it's like not even about talent and just about like luck and the draw and all that, that I don't find that that interesting. So it's, and I will, but I will say wow, it's not going to watch the open championship. Say, I'm not, I'm not going to go full Randy. Uh, but, uh, I will say it's, uh, uh, you threw me off. I don't know what I was going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it reminded me of Mexico. That's what, yeah. I, I texted Tron. I was like, man, you know what? I kind of actually like this golf course. And he's like, yeah, it's the, it's the American version of Chipotle. Which uh, is sweet. Which, uh, I think it's probably a little more, uh, a little less overgrown yeah. and a little uh, more run of the mill than uh, Chipotlepec as far as professional golf courses go. But one thing that kind of pissed me off a little bit was I don't know this golf course very well at all. Um, and there's some cool, interesting stuff about it that we'll get to in a second. But one thing that just was not showcased at all this week was how badass the greens looked. It's Whoa. not a cover shake. Don't give me that look. I didn't even have to say it. I was going no, to say we it. Can swing it straight we, forward. we can swing it into well, an agronomy well, take if you want. Well, DJ could have received on-the-ground reports from, from spectators and, and, and gotten pictures. Exactly. Wow. Texted That's exactly right. them off on a technical. No, I was talking here. to many sources. Many people were telling me how cool the greens were out there. And you could see it on there. Like You could see when... Especially on Saturday, like Lashley was hitting some of these weird shelves and stuff. And I know a lot of that's because the greens were really soft. And that's where I think it's more of an God, agronomy they, take than a TV like they take. dumped a shitload of water it, it looked, on Yeah, every day. And, but that's where you get a course like that. Like they had, they were touting all these graphics about, you know, this is the flattest course on the PGA Tour, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, when a course is that flat, like someone like Donald Ross is going to put challenge in there somewhere else. And that challenge comes in the greens. Flat is relative. Yeah, exactly. Like when the you, St. Andrews is flat, but it's like not flat at all. Like it's flat from like the, from the highest point to the lowest point is not big, but the humps and bumps are what defines the golf course. Exactly. And what sucks is when you have a course like that, like it should be such a cool, new, interesting example and a cool way to show exactly what you're talking about. And when it just gets water dumped on it like that and, Maybe it rained a ton. Maybe there was a reason for doing that. I, I don't it, really. It didn't. Okay. No, no, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give someone the benefit of the doubt. Because I tried to do the same thing and, and they'll blame it on bent greens. I think it was, I think part of it was just, it's a first year event. They want guys to come back. They want to make a shitload of birdies. And so, uh, accomplished. by all reports, it was a successful, like the crowds looked huge on they TV. sold out Saturday and People Sunday. were uh, pumped about it. It seems like. 
Uh, I forget who I think I was reading Will Gray's tweet or somebody's tweet that is saying like it seems like definitely the fans there are like this, this is great right like we're doing good how are we doing like how yeah. are we doing as fans like they're way into it and we've said of for course. a long time yeah there should be an event in Detroit and that's so, why I'm yeah. I'm excited about next week in in the Twin Cities as well I don't know much about the golf course it, early reports are not great but I think it's another one of those things like it, it kind of doesn't matter you know like those guys are gonna they're gonna go support whatever they're just because they're kind of golf starved up there and yeah that's that's the biggest positive of this week, I think, is like seeing an event like this, you know, I don't I'm guessing the TV ratings were not spectacular today. But when you're on the ground and you're having a good time and you're watching, you know, watching someone try to get their first win and stuff like it doesn't really matter. So great spot in the calendar to be in the Midwest. Like, totally. You should totally. This is the, yeah. the time of year that you should be there. There's some too. Like the, the TV ratings aren't everything, especially this no, time of year sure. where it doesn't matter where you are. The TV ratings aren't going to be that good so hiding your mortgage money tax-free is kind of the big thing <laughs> so you <laughs> for quick and loans so you might as well go to a place where there's rabid local enthusiasm i think they've done that yeah uh now if we can just get a tournament in the pacific northwest and one in maybe colorado uh that would be fantastic yeah uh there's some interesting things about this golf course i want to give props to uh, a, a former colleague of mine uh, ben everill at pjtour.com who wrote kind of a listicle type thing uh just i didn't know anything about this golf course going in and he was uh, just kind of assembled a couple of a couple of uh, facts here that I thought were pretty cool. But. Did did Ben Everill get a release from the Australian government to, <laughs> to write something that wasn't strictly about Jason Day or or Australian golf? Well, I'm, I'm only at the first couple of bullet points, so I'm sure maybe by number eight or nine he weaved in Peter Thompson or uh, you know someone like that. Apparently, the first 36 hole facility that Donald Ross built, which I thought was interesting. Uh, his brother, Alec Ross, who apparently won a U.S. Open, which I did not know. Uh, he was the pro there. The other head pros there, Horton Smith. Uh, Masters got, winner. The right? guy who won the Masters. Uh, and another major winner, Walter uh, Berkemo. I'm not familiar with Walter's work. So there's historians that are, are going to be was, on me on that one. Was this a composite course? Composite? I don't composite. know. I don't know the answer Between, to that. If, like if it's a 36-hole complex? I'm not sure. Hey, listen, that's a good question. I don't know the answer, but we can we can certainly find out okay. for you. Um, they were supposed to have a Ryder Cup there, but it got canceled for World War II. So then, like, basically just Google PJTour.com Detroit Golf Club because uh, it's a cool story. And I'm going to get all the details wrong. But instead of hosting a Ryder Cup during the war, they had, like, Sam Snead and Walter Hagen and all these guys come in and play this exhibition match. And they coaxed Bobby Jones out of retirement to come play in this thing. And it got like very testy as far as like who was going to be on on which team, and it's just it's a pretty wild story. So I would uh, encourage like playground to recess that. stuff. Yes, exactly. One thing I want to give a shout out to uh, for CBS for Dottie Pepper. Uh, one thing she said on the broadcast today was just about the green expansion that Bruce Hepner did. Yeah. Bruce Hepner is the Donald Ross fixer. He expanded a bunch of the greens, and I guess that on Thursday he said I don't know what the percentage was of the pins, but almost all of the pins that they use on Thursday were all on reclaimed green space. That's, that was that? a good nugget. That was that a great is. nugget. Like it shows that you know that what they did to prepare for this event, and uh, they brought they, that was the best presentation that they gave of the golf course so far. I didn't watch the, the whole weekend until Sunday. How many lost Ryder Cups were there? I don't know. That's a good question. There was supposed to be one at Ponte Vedra Inn Club, yeah. right? Yeah, right here, down the street, thirty-nine, I think. Right about the same. If anyone wants to do a deep dive into uh, Ponte Vedra's role in World War II, I would encourage <laughs> you to do that as well. But Thanks, Hitler. The uh, the Nazi submarine that landed in in uh, Ponte Vedra Beach. The you ever read about that. Oh my gosh. We could take that offline. Anyway. That's, that's maybe a trap draw episode. We could dive into that. I'm Dan Carlin with <laughs> hardcore history. 
<laughs> Let's circle well, all this back around regarding the crowd because I know Tron wants to get some things off his chest regarding uh, the drop that. Well, Cam where are you going to put all this? Cr- where are you going to put this whole crowd? You got to give him a seat to sit in. <laughs> I love the crowd. I think it's fun. No I one think, loves a crowd more than Tron. Listen, of course. Replay the scenario for those that may have missed it. Cam Champ. First of all, it was the most egregious miss club of all time. Set the scenes so of people that um, haven't seen it. All right, I got like look. 14th hole. I believe. He's 256 yards out in the middle of the fairway, and after a lengthy conversation with this caddy ends up with I believe a three wood in his hand correct Uh, par five over water and uh, ends up hitting it over the green it bounces off the grandstands goes into an adjacent fairway and he's 75 yards legitimately 75 yards over the green it was awesome it was so cool I I think it was one of the highlights of of my year thus far just seeing the picture of it was pure art I loved it it was so it it was was hilarious And uh, TC had a problem with the with the relief he got. Well, first of all, I had a problem with he got so much coverage this week for somebody that finished T forty six. Well, he shot twenty eight. <laughs> like, he was Friday. leading the tournament. He was leading the golf tournament. <laughs> no, and, but then they kept showing him even after the wheels were falling off, which sometimes is fine. Anyway, he, <laughs> he got, was also. In the I'll final give them group a pass on that. One. <laughs> like the ball was the ball was Look, still going up. The ball was still going up. That was it, a good when record. It, when a good record. Cleared. Oh my it god! Was not. The ball was still rising. When it went over the flag. Like to clarify, it was not. Like that was really that was Nar- funny. Narrator voice. It, it was. I mean, even to bounce, like because all these people said, "Oh, he he hit on top of the grandstand, and then it bounced over, and that's how it got so far over the grandstand." He hit the top of the grandstand. Like that's insane in and of itself. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, and then so then he gets it's a, like hitting that bud roof across from uh, Wrigley Field. Yeah. <laughs> Or like, like at, at Turner default. Field when I was growing up, they had the the Coca Cola Sky Deck or whatever. And if somebody hit a, a home run up there, it was like right down the left field pole. If somebody hit a home run up there and somebody caught it, you won a million dollars. But it was like not. It was <laughs> never gonna happen. I don't. Yeah, That'd bring, bring of, that around to the. That would be kind of sick, actually. If well, uh, if they had something like that, if somebody so, clears his grandstand. So instead of making him like, he should have to play it back over the grandstand. Instead, he. He gets a drop 90 degrees to the left of the green, has a ton of green to work with, hits a super clunky chip, which I'm not judging. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, so A, free relief, B, great spot, C, clunky chip still makes par. It was absurd. Is it is the take that line of sight relief should just go away? Yes. That was, uh, you know, Randy's not really here to defend himself or to build on this take, but he was... We don't see the big guy really fired up very often. He was very adamant that grandstands should just be, you know, in in the field of play. If you hit it next to a grandstand, like you shouldn't hit it there. Yeah, don't hit it there. <laughs> exactly. Um, Which, there might be some problems with that. I, so, I was gonna say, like, I yeah, like in whole theory, thing, in theory, I love it. This whole th- we're like, if you look just fast forward like eight steps ahead in the discussion, probably it ends with like, well, the fans shouldn't be on the golf course. No, no, no. <laughs> all right, but but I think there's a difference between nestling up against the front edge of a grandstand next to a green, or you know, to the side of a green, versus flying the grandstand and being fifty. What if over what it. if there was a committee? Like, imagine John Paramore just had. <sighs> He had like in uh, Gladiator, thumbs up, thumbs down. He could decide whether or not you get relief. It was like, like the no, Formula should, One you know race what? today. You should hit it there. It was you the need stewards. To play that. If there wasn't, no, that one's good. You could take relief there. If there wasn't water in front of that green, I would be more inclined to like. I think he was probably just caught between clubs and like probably didn't think he could clear it with iron, which he definitely could have. But so he took three wood and he probably bomb and gouged. It's disgusting. 
I don't disagree. Like it's like it, the few whatever when we played Aronimic and the bleachers were up and like we were under in trouble on the 18th hole. I was like, well, I'm definitely banking this off the grandstands. Like this is tremendous. Uh, so I guess like the alternative to that is that there's just not grandstands. I don't think you can not give players line of sight relief over grandstands. That's, no, I, I first of all, like it's, imagine signing off like from an insurance standpoint of like, oh yeah, the fans, you're fine there. We're gonna hit like just directly <laughs> or just right like, over you, or just like make it ob. Like if you clear a grandstand, that should be ob. Now I'm listening. Okay. Like you're, we you, may have, you were reaching across it, the aisle. You've hit it out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm, I'm listening to that. That that's that's a really good point. You know, I, I think would I, you have to replay from the from the previous yes. spot? I think yes. that gets really difficult on marking what is OB and what's not and whatnot. Oh, but yeah, I, but that's if it's closer. That's but if it's ju- but if it's directly <laughs> on the other side of a grandstand, just you know, like the, I think you could probably do do a pretty you know concrete black and white. What do I'm, you think? Uh, that that's a, that's a better argument for he should have to play it over the grandstand. I think <laughs> at Colonial, remember when we were at Colonial? Yeah. Wyndham Clark did. Wyndham it. Clark didn't didn't like where his nearest drop was. So he was like, "Screw it, I'm just going to play over the grandstand." And granted, it was more of a flat top mm-hmm. on on top, but I think he got it up and down, right? I don't think he quite got it up and down, but he it was admirable the what the gap that he played through and did hit it over from the, the empty grandstand. It was from the first tee to the ninth green over the grandstand. That was sweet. Do you nine. think? Uh, do you think there should be consistency in like everybody talks about using the rules to your advantage? Do you think there should be consistency? Like if a rule is in play, you should have to take that rule. So something like that with Wyndham Clark, where it's like, yo, you're you're entitled to relief, like you have to take relief. I don't, uh, no. Or I, your ball's in a grandstand, like you can either play it or not. And I guess actually that example, I'm like, I don't stick when they play it out of the grandstand. Oh, that would so be I sweet. Actually, I actually do like that. I don't know. That's that's not really an interesting question. I just on my yeah. Mind. I just don't think they should have the like the option of relief. Like you hit it there, dog. Like you either <laughs> either fig, figure out how to get out of it or like go back and hit and rehit your shot. You should become a rules official. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sweet. If there's um, any fledgling uh, professional tours out there looking for a rules official, well, we would love to make a video about then Tron being a rules official for it, a day. In the U.S. Senior Open, Darren Clark gets dinged for yeah for moving a break, fucking birdhouse. His caddy. I mean that like and then but but Cam Champ can can fly the green by 75 yards. Well, Cam Champ didn't try to move the grandstand though. <laughs> well, I was going to say like I think it ends with, if the if the grandstands become OB, I think then players are like, "Okay, well, no more grandstands." And then it's like how many less fans? That would come sooner than like that being OB. Which shows how convoluted and messed up the players owning the tour and the way that things get done at the tour is. It's an entertainment product, and the grandstands are there for the entertainment of the, of the people all around it. But if it's an entertainment product, like them having to hit over the grandstands is much more entertaining. Oh, I exactly. don't disagree with that. <laughs> Lean into it. Yeah. Listen, I think we're, we're solving a lot of important issues here. Um, I do want to, before, I want to talk about the open qualifying series here in a second here. Oh, I'd love um, to. A couple things before we move on from, uh, from the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, one of Sean Martin's tweets, um, Nate Lashley turned pro in 2005. He didn't earn a dime on an official tour from 2007 to 2014. He made just one start a piece in Canada and the Corn Ferry Tour in that span. I don't know if it was called the Corn Ferry Tour during that span, but uh, I thought that was really intriguing. And if in case you didn't watch the golf this week and don't know Nate Lashley's backstory, uh, his parents were his parents and his girlfriend when he was uh, playing in a match in college were on their way home from uh, watching that match and were killed in a plane crash. I know that was mentioned several times uh, and is definitely a huge part of Nate's story, but didn't want to leave uh, leave the Rocket Mortgage Classic without mentioning both of those stories. Yeah, and it was kind of... I felt like at the U.S. Open, it, this was a weird example of this because they're usually just kind of beating you over the head with 
with these like you know kind of tidbits and information and stuff but i felt like at the u.s open they kept alluding to you know like oh he's got a lot of like uh you know trauma in his past i was like what the what does that mean and so it was kind of cool actually that we got you know this follow-up uh blowout performance so they had some time to kind of shine light on his backstory and i thought cbs actually did a good job of talking about costas's kind of role his son was a teammate of his at uh in college and so it was kind of a cool moment like when he's after he finds the fairway in 18 like him and costas kind of little side hug as he's walking up the fairway and i thought they did a cool job showing his family when someone's leading by six and you can you can flex all these other muscles i mean it is cool to actually let something like that develop and and thoroughly kind of tell the story it's a tough draw. I thought that his girlfriend's I was gonna name say, was Ashley. So I was going to say, if I don't want to involve it, myself in their affairs, but if she, if they do get married and she wants to keep her own name, I think yeah, that's, that's very a, that's understanding. A tough draw. Ashley Lashley is, is, <laughs> is kind of tough. But uh, listen, wish them continued uh, blessings. Before we move on, can we can we give a shout out to Doc Redman? Of we can course. do whatever the hell we want. All He's, right, Doc Redman. A lot of young guys played well. That's what like yeah. I, I like tournaments like this because it show you know a it gives guys an opportunity to get into the field. Young Hove. Uh, JT, 64 today yeah which didn't didn't get a whole lot of run uh early on in the, in the broadcast papa roach t3 yeah still yeah t, t3 and still didn't move him inside the top 125 which is, i don't know much about his career it seems like he's he's got some scars <laughs> that was that was too you were too ready for that that was i wasn't no I was, I was like a one of those women's world cup players i just saw my window and I had to strike really quickly uh joaquin neiman t5 to the redmond point he uh secured special temporary membership on the pga tour it's so hard to do so hard to do <laughs> you have to earn in seven or le- basically when you're getting sponsors exemptions and you get maximum of seven sponsors exemptions you have to earn the equivalent of the 125th place guy of the previous year's FedEx Cup points in seven starts, and he did it. But if you finish second place in one event, basically you'll you'll earn enough. But but uh, this wasn't a sponsor's exemption either. He was a he month, Monday qualified he shot 62 into it. to Monday qualified. It's for all yeah. heater. But. It's for all non-members. That's kind of how you would qualify for the tour through that through that path, which somehow which was not mentioned until he was standing over his putt on the last green when it would have been wonderful to set up that kind of drama leading down that hole but that's a different note and uh he shot, yeah, he shot 62 to get into the event yeah. and uh and he also got in go the, open. the open yeah so that was rory sabatini is like kind of low-key balling out this season 41st in the unnamed season-long <laughs> points race the, the uh yeah the courier, the courier uh, points race. ted potter jr uh up to for sure yeah <laughs> he was also t5 cool. brian stewart t5 there were a lot of uh Boutros, Boutros, Tringale. Uh, uh patrick reed patrick reed some signs the artist life. formerly known as patrick reed i, I did think like Seth just a flock of flame shout out to neil's uh fred x cup team just looking much, down the leaderboard here like wyndham clark t17 uh jb holmes played pretty well this week a lot of guys that i, don't know, I, I felt like for a course that you wouldn't expect a whole lot of variety out of there's all sorts of variety looking yeah, up and down this, true. this leaderboard. So, what did you what did you think of the course? Did you get to watch much of it? I did. Yeah, I liked it. I just I was just frustrated at how receptive and soft the greens were. Like um, the whole point of the raw greens is like for them to be yeah, rolling out and be punishing know, slopes. If it's soft, it doesn't matter. And I know whoever's listening to this at Tor HQ tomorrow. Well, you know, Tron doesn't understand bent greens and like from an agronomy perspective, we got to dump water on these things to keep them alive in the middle of summer. Like the temperatures weren't in the you know, high nineties in Detroit this week. And you can, you can kind of plan for that when you have two years to know that you've got a, a tournament coming your way. So, uh, just, 
just firm them up a little bit next year, please. <laughs> Listen, I agree. It's too bad Randy's not here to defend the Supers. <laughs> <on here. laughs> um, all right. On the note, before we get to the European Tour this week and the Open Qualifying Series, if it seems like Epic Flash is winning every single week, it might be because they are. Callaway staffer Christian Bazadenhout. I had to spell oh, that out emphatically. That's, uh, that's that used a, a full bag of Callaway gear to take home a six-shot victory at the Andalusia Masters, including Epic Flash Sub-Zero Driver and Fairway Wood, X-Forged Irons, Sounds a lot like my bag. And the Odyssey Works Big T number five putter. DJ, you want to tell us about the Stroke Lab putter and what that means? Well, as I mentioned in the U.S. Open uh, broadcast, I thought Gary Woodland had a Stroke Lab putter or a Stroke Lab shaft in his driver for a split <laughs> second. So I'm probably not great to speak on this. But you're, you're a better putter than I am. Why don't you speak on it a little bit? Oh, what? no, no. I'm not. Hold on. What's the Big T? I don't know. You're it's the pretty Big sweet. T. Uh, you need to God. Tron changes his bag more than like he's I like on a Danny Lee six months, like a Danny Lee level of of tinkering. And it's now as soon as he hears something like that, oh, big T putter. Yeah, I think that's what I need. That's 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 what I've been missing. I think this is another driver win for Epic Flash and Callaway, continuing to be the number one driver across the major worldwide tours. Number one in worldwide driver wins. Odyssey passed 40 wins on the year. Number one putter in golf. Number one putter across the major worldwide tours. First putter to reach 40 worldwide wins in 2019 uh, with Bazaden Hotz uh, win at Valderrama. And the success is in large part to the innovative Stroke Lab shaft, helping to improve the tempo and consistency of the stroke. A lot of those numbers kind of blend together, but when you really think about it, so many, so so many. I know, obviously, we get paid uh, to read those numbers, but when you wait, you guys are getting paid. They're they're pretty jarring when you when you really think about it. All right, uh, TC, open qualifying series. What do you think? I'm I'm like I'm in on the fact that it exists, but its current iteration seems so fucking convoluted. Let me take you through the current list of open qualifying series events please and how many spots are up for grabs we're we're talking about before he says this i just want to point out that there's no bigger fan of national opens than tron t ron carter love national opens okay continue but i also love national opens should be their own reward though exactly well i also love the british open presented by her majesty the queen which we might have to come up with a new name this year because it's not in great britain but we'll talk they'll take that offline but it's That's still not in the UK. The, oh, it's not right. in Great UK. Britain. Right. Oh, so, geez. have you traveled to them before? It's the UK <laughs> Open. I think this year actually is what we UK call. Open. I like that. That's good. The UK. Oh, actually, the UK British Open covers us off. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay. okay. UK British Open presented, presented by, by Her Majesty the Queen. All Majesties and the Duchess of Belfast or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and Rory. And Rory. <laughs> and the Rory Foundation yeah. and Dubai Duty Free. <laughs> so there's. <laughs> All right. Pack on topic. <laughs> That would, that would be sick if it was sponsored by Dubai You Duty love Free. Dubai Duty Free. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they saved the Irish Open. <laughs> they did. Which I'm so pumped for the Irish Open. Oh, the hinge. Oh. It's going to be like, that might be the best tournament of the Isn't entire year to watch. Uh, T-Ron, very excited for it, but does not know when it is. I think it is. It's got to be, right? Right? Yeah. And then the Scottish. and then Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Our week just got that much oh, better, guys. Man. <laughs> How good is that? Um, and it's the 4th of July. Yeah. yeah, Irish Open this week. Sweet. Hell yeah. Playing as a par 70. Sounds like some people are triggered already about oh, shortening be, up some of those It's going to be the butthurt nation. <laughs> <laughs> on, on Between four, between the Klondike and the Dell, it is going to be <laughs> spectacular. Uh, but anyway, back to the Open Qualifying Series. There's 46 there. spots up for grabs. Mm-hmm. It starts 
as you would imagine, in November in Australia, <laughs> the Australian Open, which we love the Australian Open. We're big proponents of it. I'm going to be the Stephen A. to your Skip okay. Bayless. You, mm-hmm. you know it. Um, Listen, you know I'm which, a big fan of National Opens. You know, T's and P's up for Stephen A. Yeah. After, tough, after tough. the Knicks thing. Free agency. Yeah. Yeah, which I just saw the Sixers signed uh, Horford to Woj Bomb. How about that? Uh, anyway, back on topic. <laughs> So you got three spots up for grabs in Australia. You got three up for grabs in South Africa in December, which makes total sense. You got four. Is that the Joburg Open or what is that? No, just the South African Open. Oh, okay. You got four up for grabs in the Singapore Open, which which gives a sponsor exemption to Drew Love every year. Is that the one Sergio won? Uh, it's one Spieth played a couple of years right. ago because it was it was it's one single operated yeah. by Lagardier. Yeah. So. Uh, it's the one that maybe ruined Spieth's career, as yeah, as you've kind exactly. of like to allude to. Um, so four spots for that one. I don't know why they give three to Australia, three to uh, South Africa, four to Singapore, three for API in March, four for the Mizuno Open in late May. Again, I'm a big Japan Tour fan. I don't even know what the Mizuno Open is. Uh, three for the Canadian Open. Which again, that makes sense. National Open, part of the Commonwealth. I get it. Two for the Korea <laughs> Open, uh, and then well, they should be given so to the import. to the Indian Open then. Exactly. Well, that's Julian yeah. Surrey should have got one from the Indian Open. <sighs> Deej, that's a great point. <laughs> All right, we can take that offline. Too. Uh, and then we'll yeah, put that on like a list I of get it when it starts here, like the Andalusia Masters gets three spots, the Rocket Mortgage Classical only gets two. There's 12 spots up for grabs at final qualifying on July 2nd over at Saint, the Fairmont St. Andrews. And then there's three spots open for Irish Open, three spots open for Scottish Open, and only one for John Deere. My whole thing is, why don't you just do like a six tournament kind of money list on the PGA Tour, do one on the Euro Tour, yeah. and figure out a way to reward some guys on the Eurasia Tour or whatever, you know, and and figure out how to, you know, how to kind of weave that in. But for the most part, it's like, this seems so convoluted and roundabout and random. See, to me, it feels way more concrete than like a qualifier, like for the U S open, basically it comes down to a day of golf for a lot of spots, which is cool in its its own right. But like so much golf in that meat of that calendar is played in the US where there's just not a lot of golf played like in the UK during any really part of the uh, the schedule except for like that one month in July. So instead of like, you know, having these random qualifiers all over the spot like you have these professional tournaments which are insane like a, like compared to qualifiers like really elite fields and it's a four round tournament. Like this is like it kind of seems kind of fluky, like, oh, God, he finished T2. He got him in the open. Oh, my God, that's crazy. But it's way less fluky in my mind than like a one day going out for 36 holes and, you know, shooting blah, blah, blah. So you got to get into these fields is one thing, which is challenging. And then to actually do really well in them and knowing that carrot is there kind of on, in some of these events, I'm sure it helps with some of the fields in some of these events, at least in, in some kind of twisted way. And also, like, if you're if you're hot and you're playing really well and you know this is up for grabs, I think it's a totally valid, valid way to give out spots. I just think, like, Singapore Open, it's seven months apart from the British Open, and it's the Singapore Open. It's part of the Commonwealth, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's like an independent city-state, right? It's <laughs> one point part of the Commonwealth, I thought. That could be wrong. Well, yeah. At one they point, speak I mean, English was, there. That's you know, the point. The sun never set on the Commonwealth, <laughs> technically. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe somewhere, somewhere in the middle. I see where you're coming from, Sally. On you know I, the fact I that do it too. That's a fair point. Yeah, the yeah. fact that it's. I don't know that it necessarily helps with the fields because I think anybody who's would help a field is already in 
the open based on world ranking. But I do agree. I mean, Very I, good point. <laughs> but I do agree that I think, uh, I think like a, a mini money list and I almost, I feel like maybe they used to do this. I'd have to check my, my notes, but, uh, it just didn't always feel this convoluted. Well, right? th- this is, I mean, it's obviously a, a fairly new thing. It's only been going on for the last couple of years. But uh, I feel like they used to do a mini money list type of thing, or maybe I'm thinking of another another tournament. But you know, it just it a lot of it just doesn't pass. Like it's just it's stupid, but it's just like an eye test. Like West Roach playing on a golf Papa Roach playing on a golf course that like you know didn't really look like it had much teeth in Detroit. It's like oh yeah, now you go play Royal Portrush and you're in the Open Championship. It's like that fucking stinks. <laughs> but like no offense. Yeah. So like anybody. you don't say that about the U.S. Open. Like if somebody like oh I you played and this I, and I know in it's like I don't have a great uh, a great indicator. Like I agree, it's a better four rounds of PJ Tour golf is a much better higher level of competition. But I just it feels like that should be like about the PJ Tour event. Like How that, do they do? You know what I mean? Like the PJ Tour leaderboard should be the PJ Tour leaderboard. And when you go like U.S. Open sectional qualifying, you wake up. And you're thinking about nothing but yeah. U.S. Open qualifying. Like, like it only goes top fifty in the world, which seems kind of light for the it automatically yeah, exempt. Yeah, and, and I do kind of agree. Like, if you want to do an open qualifying thing and you want to make it one spot at each of those events, and you want to make it fifteen spots that are up for grabs, and like, cool, let the top seventy-five in the world in. You know, like, I like it because there's like at least one like more drama in today, at least somewhat drama. Like, I don't really actually care if Papa Roach goes to the, <laughs> the UK British Open, but like at least like there's Unless more it was the actual Papa Roach. more to that play for. Kind of like there's more things going on. I do think it makes yeah. it somewhat more That's intriguing true. comes end of Sunday evening. I like, always appreciate how many randos there are yeah. in the British Open. The GMAC thing right. was cool. Right. Like when Open. Shiv Kapoor went nuts the yeah. one year. Like they're, they're, every year there's something like that. So I totally get that. And so I guess it is kind of at odds yeah. as well with what we said up front where it's like there's so many good players and you know any given week blah blah it just blah seems really, really arbitrary but it seems right? a little arbitrary i'm sure they have a way that they came up with this i don't know i couldn't tell you why like seven months in advance guys earned spots to the, into the open and whatnot but i imagine it's it appears at least from the way they do it is it's very worldwide it's like not concentrated on like oh most people are in the u.s so we're giving the most spots to the u.s that's not the case so there are some a crazy amount of spots proportionally that go to Asian players than go to yeah. U.S. players. But even like the counterpoint to that with the Singapore Open would be, all right, there, there are some American guys and some and some guys that come over and play in that. Why would you do all your spots for that event? Why wouldn't you split it between two events? You know, I just yeah. I feel like you're diluting it for your own members, basically, then. I don't know. We're way we're yeah. <laughs> way down the wormhole right here. I just wanted to vent on that. For I think a it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to message to people as well. Maybe I mean I know it's it's easy once all the putts have dropped to say like this person got in the open, but it's a hard thing I think maybe for the casual fan to wrap their head around how the system works and how many you know tournaments are getting different numbers of spots and all that stuff. Uh, and I, I don't know. I just think it it kind of blends together a little bit and i know this sounds stupid but it kind of blends together when you're watching a pj tour telecast and they're throwing all this like open qualifying series you kind of just let it like wash over you with the aeon risk reward challenge and the Wyndham rewards and the fedex cup and the must-see moments and the well the problem blah, is blah, blah, blah. And i'm just like dude i okay well they promote that stuff more it's than all the like open. on an even something that field, actually you know? matters like, no no they just skip the they don't even put the open emblem up or anything like that because cbs doesn't carry the, yeah. the open like if it was nbc covering today they would i mean they would be promoting their product which is they're going to cover the uk british open presented by her majesty and rory and the dubai duty free foundation that was a very interesting uh way that amanda phrased that question to to lashley 
She's like, oh my gosh, you just got into the Masters. You just got into the Players Championship. It's like, yeah, well, you just got into the Open in like three weeks as well. <laughs> like that's for, that's pretty wild. It's Ian, like, hey, you got a new girlfriend. It's like not what you're going to get her for like Christmas coming up. It's like, what are you going to get her like, you know, for Valentine's Day next year? <laughs> exactly. So going back to the National Opens thing, like, why, like, isn't a good way to do this? All right, you won them because they they do give spots to the winner of the Argentinian Open, the Japan Open. And those are really the only, and then the BMW championship or sorry, the BMW PGA championship and the players and then the senior open, those are kind of the ones plus the majors. But if you did, all right, cool. Like I realized with the Canadian open, South African open, they're doing Australian open. They're doing it with a couple of them, but do it with more of the national opens. Well, you know, I was thinking even is, like the Colombian tournament on the web tour. Well, you like know, you be win cool. that tournament, like, cool. Well, well, that's what I was going to say is if you lim- even just limited it to just winners, you know, and, and like, when somebody wins the heritage, everybody knows like, oh shit, that guy just got into the masters. Like, that's awesome. And even if you just limited it to all winners of national opens, if they're not already exempt, like get into the open. It's like, you're like on whoa, the, that's sick. Okay. You're on the Narcos on tour that. and you're playing the <laughs> Panama open Yeah, and you win and you just, you just got into the freaking, <laughs> that's sweet. People don't like when you call it the Narcos tour. <laughs> <laughs> the taco tour, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, man. That's what all the I, that's what all I, the players call no, it. I love it. It makes me laugh so hard. I, that's a deep cut. We haven't talked about the Narcos tour in a while. Before uh, before we get on the, the silence, corn, the Corn Fairy tour. <laughs> TC, I believe you have uh, some updates you want to give us here. Oh yeah. So if you tuned in at all this weekend, you saw our hitter Justin Lauer, um, and you saw Charlie Saxon too. They both For sure. played exceptionally well. Justin didn't have quite as good of a Sunday, but um, still putting together. Great season, poking around the top top twenty five, or as we're calling it, the bucket. Uh, Nearly in the bucket, yeah. But uh, but Justin's wearing uh, Holderness and Born no laying up apparel out there, uh, which we, is still sick to see on TV. It's crazy when it comes <laughs> up on TV. It's like, is this is this seriously happening? Like, it does not get old. <laughs> it does not. And he's been raving to us about how how comfortable it is. Um, we part we started partnering with H and B three years ago when they were kind of. I don't know. I'd never really even heard of them. And then I bought one of their shirts uh, up in Boston and was blown away, contacted them immediately. They're pretty much the only company we've ever worked with on our premium. This is how polos. it goes. Just to let you guys know, Tron handles all this stuff. He gets a bunch of like holderness samples and he'll be like, all right, hey, saw your large. Here, take this. I'm like, oh, okay. This is my favorite one we've ever done. And like three months later, we like, we got the next like season's line. I'm like, okay, well, this is the best one they've ever done now. And then three months later, it's the same thing over and over again. They just keep improving, keep improving. It's the best quality material. You know, you know, everyone right? always labels uh, Neil as the merch star, which, you know, certainly is. But it almost feels like a, a bit of a house of cards situation to me where Neil is kind of the Kevin Spacey and Tron is uh, who, like, you know, the underling, the guy the who's bald guy. The guy who's yeah, the guy who's like knocking people off when they need to be kept quiet. Like <laughs> the guy that's the fixer, the guy that's like really handling all the I'm shit. I'm kind of the shadow. That's right. Tron's yeah. sourcing stuff. I'm, He's I'm, making deals. Neil's like the the infrastructure Neil's, customer service guy. I'm kind of yeah, the sourcing guy. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we got Maddie into the into the quilted sweaters. Tron Versace. <laughs> <laughs> we got Maddie into the sweaters for Pebble. He that asked for sick. a couple of those. We got another couple of caddies that saw those at Pebble, and they said, "Shit, send me some of those for Portrush." So we'll have a couple more guys wearing those. So. Go in the shop, check it out. It's it's stuff that you can wear off the course or on the course. I think that's what we definitely like about it most. So go in our shop, check it out. Go into your local pro shop, wherever you play golf, member, public, whatever. Talk to the pro, figure out 
if they have it in the shop, buy it. If they don't, ask them why not. Uh, speaking of the Corn Ferry Tour, Charlie Saxon finished T3, one shot out of a playoff. We were Yeah, the Kill House was kind of loud for, you know, June 30th, uh, whatever. You I know. thought about firing up a Periscope as he played the last hole, and I was like, nobody cares as much <laughs> as we do right now. Uh, yeah, shout out to Charlie, man. That was an awesome, awesome week to watch. Kind of wild. He was one shot away from what would have been our young hitters second playoff uh, this year on the on the Corn Ferry Tour. So a uh, big week for him. I know things haven't been going exactly how he wanted earlier this season, but, uh, you know, Should obviously be. a massive step in the right direction. He's got his his ticket to uh top 75 i think at this point or yeah really for the most part so should uh should get in the finals pretty much guaranteed for the finals which is big and and that locks up his card for next year too and tron you had some things you said some things on twitter about the kfc tour and the aka the corn ferry tour and the new name and, and whatnot but i clarify, clarify what you said on twitter it was actually really it was really insightful i didn't mean to say actually really insightful. as far as it was good as far as the new name just like if the name is dumb but like listen they're gonna well, put some support behind this yeah tour it's also like all right cool it. like there's jokes there and everything but and they will be made lots of jokes. Yeah, they will be made. we're gonna make them and that's fine but like they're i don't know this is going back to what we were saying earlier on the podcast with like the margins are so thin and golf is so deep and this stuff matters like it's really cool to see a company kind of come along and, and this is not sponsored by the way yeah. or anything um it's really cool to see a company come along and actually put their money where their mouth is and invest in the product and feel like their business kind of matches up with with what the tour is all about like mm -hmm. it sounds corny and business casey ah, and case ah, <laughs> i see what you did uh, there. <laughs> um but you know as far as oh like we you know we identify talent and we're like a hr consulting firm and all that but like on some level that's kind of what this is for the pga tour um so i think if they you know if they pour resources into it like they say they're going to and and uh and kind of you know keep improving things and keep keep building out the schedule like they've made so many strides the last couple of years with it i'm excited i think it's uh you know i think the new tv contract in the next couple of years too that they're working towards should should help things out too because it's i mean it sucks like this is the first week it's been televised since greenville wasn't televised for for a few weeks before that you know and like a, we got cut out of the the viewing window during greenville tough tough break you know, but it's like Portland, Boise, uh, Columbus, some of these tournaments down the stretch coming up over the next, you know, six, eight, ten weeks or, or some of my Portland favorite tournaments especially, to watch. Man, if you've never watched that that event, the last event of the regular season where guys are throwing up all over themselves coming down the stretch. Like Kevin to, Doherty last year. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Trying to get inside the inside the bucket, uh, inside the 25. I mean, it's like it's, if you're a golf nut, which yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. I mean, put that on your calendar. It's like as good as it gets. To I watch. think I'm going to fly out there for it. Like I, I've enjoyed watching it that much the last two years. It's, it's I haven't, awesome. I haven't forgotten about the $150 cameo budget that I have. Uh, oh, that's true. To taunt, to taunt you for get finishing runner up to me at... Uh, in at bmw i think we should start a uh you know not sponsored but maybe a weekly uh freak on a leash segment just to highlight someone on the corn ferry tour i think would be i love that would I love be nice. that. maybe starting next week we'll see uh steve stricker won the u.s senior <laughs> open by six he's played two of the three majors this year he won them both by six i think that's the real reason that randy didn't like yeah. i know he's in ohio and everything but we haven't heard from him. He's been apoplectic yeah. about the at scoring. Odds, at odds with the USGA. Was it 16 course. under? 
It's like so 19 under. 19 under? Yeah. Yeah. Randy, Randy like took it easy on the weekend too, knowing how Randy was getting pissed off. <laughs> Randy can't sleep on that. I feel like Stricker was primed to be like the guy. Like was, I feel like every year, you know, when a guy turns 49, it's oh, like, this guy's going to fuck people. Oh, off. when he gets to 50 <laughs> yeah. and he goes to the Champions Tour, he is going to dominate it. And Bernard Longer kicks everyone else's ass. And Stricker is actually stepping up and kicking everyone's ass. I feel like Jerry game. Kelly was kind of supposed to be that guy. And he hasn't just because A or like, or B, Scott McCarron is killing people too. Like he's, it's like a one-two punch with him. It's kind of laying the anchor down. Anchor, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's in the anchor position near the top of that leaderboard was where I was going. Uh, yeah. I don't have it. We didn't watch a ton of it this weekend. Uh, if this, honestly, as much as like, I don't have a problem with low scoring. Like if this, if it was tougher, like I probably feel like I would have tuned in, but it was just, it was. Which sucks too. Cause like, I feel like I should have watched it cause it, it was a core Crenshaw and I felt like I probably, yeah. and, and I love, I feel like the, the seniors. They could play more, um, actually, seniors and Corn Ferry. They should play more university courses. Can we give That's a shout a out take. to Tommy Armour uh, for starting the day in fifth position, shooting 41 and Poor withdrawing? Neil. Neil, this is like the third time Neil's ever tweeted about like being oh, excited to watch golf. <laughs> like, oh man, can't wait to watch TA3. Like, here's him at the play like a champion today sign. And he goes out and shoots 41 and other front WDs. We, so, we don't know why he withdrew. Yeah, I don't there's... know if he was hurt or, or what was going on, but tough scene for Neil. Gankus was all pumped up about him being in the mix. He might have had too much speed. Yeah. yeah. That could have been the issue. Uh, on the LPGA Tour, Sung Young Park wins uh, one by one with a birdie on 18 would have been a four-way playoff with her Danielle Kang HJ Kim who's Randy's girl and MB Park which would have been an absolutely sick playoff uh, Park's an absolute killer though it was a very easy birdie on 18 and she won it Danielle Kang birdie played her last five holes in five under to tie the lead and almost make the playoff she finished t- uh, tied for second I think she was probably the most maybe top two most like impressive players at KPMG that I followed. I don't even think she played that well, but just seeing Kang she, or Park? Park. Park. Just seeing oh, how she hit killed. her irons is it's like insane. She, she like, I say this as like definitely as a compliment, like her swing is m- like more like male tour players than it is like female tour players. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. really, really, like, really co- impressive. Like total commitment. It's not like crazy speed, but it's like, it is just a very vertical and like a textbook yeah. golf swing and really fun to watch. We breezed by it uh, talking about the European tour in the qualifying series earlier, but uh, DJ has a little bit of info and intel on the uh, the winner on the. Yeah, it was. I'm wild. done saying it. You have to say it now. Uh, Christian Bezadenhout. There you go. I believe Christian. It, I believe it's Christian. A couple of A's in oh, there. You're right. Christian Bezadenhout. Uh, yeah, fascinating story. Uh, kid out of South Africa. Uh, I believe he's 24 and South Africa. South Africa. Ryan Lavner, Golf Channel, wrote a great story, uh, kind of recapping things. So again, I would, like earlier in the show, I recommend everybody uh, search that out because it's it's pretty wild. But uh, his backstory: so you had uh, this kid when he was two years old, basically as as Lavner describes it, uh, he grabbed a Coke bottle and tried to take a big swig out of it. Turns out it was uh, filled with rat poison. Not a story that you hear uh, every day. So he was rushed to the hospital, had to have his stomach pumped, had to get uh, just basically kind of like they had to save his life at the hospital, um, which obviously he was okay because you saw that he won today. But uh, apparently he ruined the he ruined, he the, ruined surprise. the surprise. He, he lived and went on to become a European tour winner. But uh, while the poison was in his body, kind of ravaged his nervous system. So it left him with like kind of this this really pretty debilitating stutter and a lot of anxiety and and stuff like that and uh so because of the stutter and this is i'm i'm going 
incredibly quickly through the story. So again, go read the whole thing. But because of the stutter, he kind of was bullied really badly. Uh, he ended up deep, you know, kind of slipping into this pretty dark, deep depression. He got because of his anxieties and stuff. He got prescribed these beta blockers when he was, you know, kind of a teenager um, that let him just kind of function like a like a you know regular person and. You can probably see where that's going with professional golf. Uh, eventually got drug tested and and got suspended because of testing positive for these beta blockers. It was supposed to be a two-year suspension. Got whittled down to like nine months. And anyways, just this really wild story. And so seeing him come back through all of that stuff, going out winning at Valderrama today and beating, you know, people like Sergio and John Rahm and all these all these big names out there is just, again, like not a big name wins every week. Uh, and so I think you know, when someone who you've probably never heard of does win, I think all you kind of hope for is like, hopefully there's a cool story or a cool way to connect with someone or be inspired by someone or whatever. And I mean, that story, like, especially in his post round interview, I mean, he still struggles with, with stuttering and, and things like that, but to, to kind of be brave enough to, to go do a post round interview in English and, and, uh, really fight through it. Like it's pretty powerful to watch, to watch something like that. So yeah, I wanted to share as much as you know we could. We did. We didn't. It's not like we did any reporting on it or anything, but wanted to share as much as we could on that because I thought that was a pretty cool story. I hadn't read Lavner's uh, article. I read Huggins' article this morning. Which mm. shout out! I know he's a big friend of the yeah, pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> Huge fan of ours. Um, but uh, but yeah, and it was it was cool to see the guys on the Euro tour. It seemed like there was an outpouring of yeah. support and enthusiasm for him winning. Um, it's not dissimilar to like a player, you know, a foreign player that doesn't speak English as the first language standing up and trying to do an interview in English. Yeah, like, no, totally. That, that interview that we were, that you were playing earlier, was kind of like knowing that backstory makes it that much more, I don't want to say interesting. That kind of feels, you know, exploitive to say interesting, but seeing somebody like struggle with that for obviously his whole life and face a microphone and a camera and still address people is that takes some serious balls. For sure. It kind of reminded me a little bit, I mean, on a, on a different scale or different, uh, whatever, but of when Steven Bowditch won a couple years ago and just knowing a lot of the stuff that he had gone through with, you know, similar kinds of depression and suicidal tendencies and, you know, stuff like that. And just God seeing people, kick that stuff and get all the way back to like, you know how fucking hard it is to win on the European tour, win on the PJ tour, like to get all the way back and do something like that. I mean, it's just, that's like as impressive as it possibly gets. Two things. That was a very tough course to win on mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Valderrama. It's like overgrown and just hard as shit to begin with. Uh, and then B, this one kind of hit home for me on a personal level. I struggled with the stutter when I was little, still do from time to time. If you asked me 15 years ago, if I would be a podcaster, podcaster. <laughs> on camera all the time. Like literally I used to shit my pants when I had to speak in front of the class or, and I can't tell you how like emasculating and just frustrating and terrifying it is to like, I, I was reading at a, I don't know, probably a junior in high school level when I was in fifth or sixth grade and sounded like I could barely read when yeah. I had to read in front of the class. So to see a guy like that, like to see that, that's really, really cool. Uh, I know Roberto Diaz on the PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, he also has kind of dealt with that his whole life. Tiger Woods as well. Tiger, when he was growing up, dealt with a stutter. And I've heard some really cool stories about people who, um, you know, have kind of reached out to him about that and some cool letters that he's written on that front. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of hit home for me. And and again, like it's, it's weird. Like it doesn't, sometimes it'll, it'll come on you and it'll like... I kind of got to plan out what I'm going to say. And sometimes I do stutter or stammer, but, but it's also a matter of 
just like a comfort level too. When you're comfortable doing something, right. you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really come out. It's but. gotta be, and I'm glad you said that because I, I imagined for anyone that doesn't have the issue, you can't understand it. Like it's, it's, you yeah. just can't, like you can't fat, like you don't understand what it is like. You have never gone through it. It's almost like, I think about this too with drug addictions and, you know, alcoholism and things that I've never experienced. Like, how can I know what that's like? So when you like, I just go back and I remember when I asked David Faraday a question about uh, when he was on the podcast about, you know, his, his drug issues and alcohol issues in the past. And I kind of referred to it as like, you know, but that's in the past. And he said, like, that's not, that's not how it works, man. Like it's, it's, it's always <laughs> yeah, a, right. there. And I just remember like losing sleep for like two nights over that. Like what an idiot you are to like think that you understood how that works. So, uh, not to give a big meaningful life lesson. At no, the end I mean, it, I but think I think it's kind of like, well, one of the coolest things about, about just sports in general. And like, I was thinking about this the other day is one of the biggest losses that we have in kind of media. And I think that's why, you know, Pat, our ourselves on the back slightly, I guess, for having a podcast. <laughs> it's, you know, mostly Solly's done all the interviews and stuff, but you know, giving people like a platform to actually tell stories like that is so important because when you have kind of this like sanitized, you know, whitewashed kind of state media, like you fucking lose a lot of those stories, man. And like, that's the the point is trying to connect with people on a, a level like that. And yeah, I mean, the more, God, the more of that, the better. And that's, that's well, kind of the stuff that keeps you tuning in, right? Like when you let somebody tell their own story versus yeah. telling somebody's story for them, I think there's a, that's a big, there's a big disconnect between those yeah. two things. Um, yeah. And then also just going back to your point, Sally, like it's like, it doesn't really ever go away. I think for the, you know, I don't, I took speech therapy when I was little, but I don't think it was anything that was, you know, that was probably a part of it, but it was more just growing out of it and learning how to cope and learning how to like little different coping mechanisms. Um, but it's also, it's weird. Cause it's like, it's not really mental. It's not really physical. It's in this weird ether between the well, two. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me it's like, like... chipping yips. <laughs> Maybe they come from the same place. <laughs> it's almost like, I imagine it would be the harder you're trying to fix it, the harder it is. The more conscientious yeah. you are of it, it's like... It's like, don't think about elephants. Kind of yeah, but but you think about breathing or you think about slowing down or you think about, you know, planning your words out ahead of time and then, and then you get there. But when you're... It's like, once you're thinking about it, it's already too late kind yeah. of thing. So, well, on a brighter note, why don't you tell us about, uh, hopefully you guys are, if you're listening to this currently, you're part of the, the brigade that downloads it in the first 12 hours or so. Cause we got some uh, important information that is going to expire by uh, noon Eastern on Monday on the first, but uh, tell us about it for real. I think we've got a, we've got an over under going on, uh, how long it's going to take to sell out. Um, we've got a lot of people have that same over under for us sitting here as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've got a hundred spots for the summit, the NLU summit out at Common Ground Golf Club, Colorado Golf Association, and No Laying Up. Uh, it's our first event. We decided instead of for diversifying, of, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, instead of doing what you know, more or less a cash grab, we figured, hey, let's 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 kind of find our way with these events, uh, experiment a little bit, work with a, obviously an organization that knows exactly what they're doing with the Colorado Golf Association. Do it at a really cool course out in Denver that's easy for people to get to on a national basis. Get the community together too. So uh, it'll be August 23rd. If you haven't seen anything on social or anything yet, August 22nd and 23rd. 22nd will just be a big, kind of a big party. We're going to have a band there. Uh, we're going to do a live podcast with guest TBD, but we've got some really, really 
cool stuff up our sleeves. Compelling guest. Some contests, um, you know, all sorts of stuff on Thursday night. And then Friday night will be uh, better ball. I was corrected earlier. A two-man best ball is a better ball. Oh, I see. Yeah. I suppose that makes sense. Uh, so, you know, some, somebody came in really hot uh, on that one. God, I'm not really worth getting fired up people about. People are awesome. I, I guess I do. I'm so glad we're organizing this sense. for the people. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the afternoon round will be a Scotch foursomes, which... Uh, which both, is the best. Probably not the right sweet. name for that either. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Greensomes, I believe they call it actually in uh, a lot of places. Uh, which basically both guys uh, or gals uh, hit their tee shots and then uh, you, you pick the better one from there and then play all shot in from there. So it'll be a, it'll be a two, uh, two person partner competition, 36 holes. Uh, you can either sign up with a partner or we'll pair you up. Um, but yeah, basically just trying to get, get this thing from the internet and social and podcasts to meeting people in real life. And, and really, you know, I think that's the most rewarding part of what we do and trying to bring that a little bit more to you all as well. I think the weirdest part about what we do is that, you know, all of us have played a lot of rounds with people that we've met on the internet, you know, and just, Hey, do you want to come out to this course? Like, yeah, sure. I'll meet you there kind of thing. And what's so weird is, and maybe it's golf is like the unifying threat. We're getting kind of heavy on yeah. this podcast. Maybe <laughs> I think it's this angry orchard hard cider we're <laughs> drinking here. <laughs> yeah. We were all looking for a beverage before the uh, podcast and saw we had to raid Solly's fridge. Well, the, our house dad, Randy's not here. And all, all the, there was stock. one natural light in there that's probably been there for about 12 months. One spiked seltzer and one angry orchard rosé. Disclaimer, none no, of those were purchased no by free me. Ad, no free ads, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no, maybe golf is kind of the unifying thread or, or something, or everybody's kind of speaking the same language, but of all the people that we've met, all the people that have come up and said hi to us in an event, all the people that we've run into at golf courses, all the people we've run into at gas stations. Holy like shit, DJ, we met you on the internet. <laughs> yeah, we met exactly. you on Twitter and now like, we all live here because of you. <laughs> literally all of them have been positive experiences. <laughs> and it's so weird to say that. And I'm being so completely genuine in saying that. It's, yeah. it's nuts how cool it is to just meet people who all kind of speak the same language and just go have like a really good time. So if you have any availability and any interest in going to this event, like it's going to be really, really, really fun and you're going to have a good time and you'll be very welcome and everybody will love to see you there. So if people are hesitant to sign up on your own, just do it. Like don't even think about it. Like it's, you're going to meet a shitload of people. And I mean, I keep in like, you know, we kind of, the only thing similar that we've kind of partaken so far is, is Zach Blair's the the ringer. And like, we keep in touch probably with yeah. more people, different people that we met at that these days than we do like necessarily, like it's not just to meet us. Like you're going to meet a ton of people and yeah. you're going to stay in contact and you're going to find common friends you have. And it's going to be a blast. Yeah, the reason I, I mean, the most excited I was up in Minnesota last week was going out with guy whitehead <laughs> at the ringer for, for drinks and everything. But um, last two things, sign up is at noon tomorrow, Monday, uh, noon, e- noon Eastern. So 10 mountain time, nine Pacific. Uh, so, but I promise you it's going to, it's going to sell out quick or at least we're hoping so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And then also snakes on a plane situation where everybody was talking about it and they thought yeah. like the box office was going to be huge and turned into a big flop. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know that. It was another perfect club. It was, you know, snakes on a plane was critically acclaimed though. (laughs) By some critics. (laughs) I think just acclaimed. Um, And then B, uh, I forgot to mention as well. This is kind of the reason we're doing it. Um, The Colorado Golf Association has a really, really cool caddy program um, that we figured, hey, let's, this is a great cause. The Solich Caddy and Leadership Academy. 
Uh, it's kind of a feeder program for the Evans Scholars and basically getting the Evans Scholars program to look a little bit more like society at large and not just, you know, a bunch of middle-class white guys, basically. So um, I think they're succeeding in a big way with that. And it's something that we want to showcase to uh, A, bring here to our community here in Jacksonville, as well as showcase to, you know, other people coming in from around the country and raise some money in the process. Awesome. Can't wait. We had a couple of voicemails. We didn't get a ton of calls. I think people are uh, people are a little checked out of golf this <laughs> summer or maybe checked out of us. But uh, we did a couple of voicemails and we'll get to those and uh, then uh, call it. This is Tony calling from Glen Allen, Illinois. This is a question for Randy. Is the use of a Bob Dylan song in a rocket mortgage commercial the worst use of that song? There couldn't be anything that's that's less capitalism and mortgage-based than Bob Dylan. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks. Do you want to answer this in honor of Randy? Who's not yeah. Uh, gosh, Tony, tough luck with, with Randy not being here. Um, so you're stuck with the rest of us. But DJ, I think you're probably better qualified to answer this one. Sure. Yeah, I can, I can weigh in. Um, you know, Bob Dylan is kind of... Nobody loves Bob Dylan more than, more than me. He's kind of dipping his toe into... Uh, into the late stage capitalism uh, pool as of as of recently. I mean, we've seen him in a lot more commercials. We've seen him kind of appearing in commercials, which is very weird. I think he was in like a I forget what it was. It was like an Apple commercial or something a few years ago. Uh, listen, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Uh, I don't think that the you know the the Bob Dylan of the uh, Newport Folk Festival. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily signing up to do rocket mortgage ads. But you know, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Jacob Dylan and the the Wallflowers are. Uh, Maybe they're pilfering some of his inheritance and he needs to needs to replenish the coffers. Either way, it's not great. Uh, it made me, it, it kind of devalued the Big Lebowski. Obviously, it's the opening credits uh, song for the Big Lebowski. So, yeah, it's just a tough, tough scene all the way around. So, Tony, I, you know, I feel I feel for you. It's uh, it's not a, it's not a great look, but all, all around the board. And I think we got one final one, right? Yeah, which as an aside, I never realized it until, uh, I, don't, I, I can't remember what was the big deal on it but the u2 iphone yeah thing where they automatically downloaded right. that album oh, that oh my best. god that pissed people off more than anything <laughs> it did ever. lead it did lead to like one of the best tweets ever which was it's like do i need to buy u2 concert tickets or are they going to sh- show up at my house <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember what like what got us on that topic or what i was talking to so somebody you, about you it. just found out that that existed no no, no. I, I, but just how big of a deal that was oh, and god, how was, like how big was, of a fiasco it yeah. was and how pissed people were it was it was bad i think a lot of it was because like i don't think it was like a i forget which album it was if it was I've been so how to, disman- how to dismantle an atomic bomb, the the one that had like vertigo and all the really popular ones on it, or if it was the one after that which sucked. I don't know. Well, we could again, we could take this offline. Yeah. <laughs> all right, last last uh, voicemail here. Hey guys, this is Brian calling from Los Angeles, California. Um, you may you may have addressed this previously, but I was wondering if you guys have thoughts on uh, commentators letting the audience know that a player's caddy is a good player in his or her own right and whether that should be something that we add to the official no laying up golf viewing drinking game that i hope you guys release for christmas thanks bye (laughs) (laughs) this one made me laugh way too hard i I love like i think that's kind of why the whole business exists is picking up on these tiny 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 (laughs) 
like minutia of golf and just blowing them out into the ether. And that is that that's right in the, right in the wheelhouse in their own right is what made that call. (laughs) That's what made that work. It's actually quite a player in his own right. (laughs) It's well, it's shades of like when a basketball player's father's, you know, Oh, well, yeah, he was, he was a good player in his own right. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those words that like could never, uh, like it never gets used in another context. Like that's the only way you ever hear in his own right. It's like, you know, in this example, we're going to just for just for that person pointing out, I, I promise we're going to work that into the next wild world of golf. You can <laughs> you can free, bank on that free preview, which might be the best one yet. Yeah, More I to come it, on. That. I think it is. Also, lastly, shout out to Christopher Ventura, uh, won the Utah championship on the third playoff hole. Yeah. Um, while we were recording this. Did he Monday in this week? Listen, I don't know. I feel like he was either Monday or sponsored exemption or very borderline. This was only his third or fourth web event of the, of the year. So, uh, but another Oklahoma State guy, another Norwegian Oklahoma State guy. Could be, uh, many people are saying he might be Victor Hovland's dad. <laughs> I've right? only heard one person say it and I've heard him say it five times today. That's wow. T. Ron Carter. That is so. wild. I did not realize that. All right. He was a sponsor's invite. Oh, okay. sorry. He was a sponsor. Just he was a sponsor's invite at the BMW Charity Pro Am, and he's parlayed that all the way into. Wow. This is why stuff this matters. Week. It's why stuff matters. On that note, we're signing off. Uh, enjoy July Fourth week, everyone, and uh, we will see you back here soon. Cheers. Crack on. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Honey, that's. Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.